0: Hello, it's Kyle and welcome to the Wikipedia podcast. This week we're going to be having an interesting episode where Sam and I, rather than simply just describing a issue or profiling a specific person, we're going to try and be giving you some practical advice about how to talk with friends and family who might be being influenced in this case by the idea that they need to put a wall or separation between their faith and how it interacts with the rest of the world. So, we hope this is useful and helpful and if it is, considering interacting with it, liking, sharing, subscribing, those kind of things to help get it into the hands of people that may need to hear this information, because that is ultimately our goal. So if we're being successful with that, again, consider spreading it to others. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Welcome to the Wokipedia Podcast. The Wokipedia Podcast is a ministry of enemies within the church, and you can find out more by going to enemieswithinthechurch.com. Once again, that's enemieswithinthechurch.com, and when you go there, go over to the Wokipedia tab, and you can find all kinds of information that will help you to defeat all of the woke arguments uh, that might come your way and to identify who and what is woke specifically inside the church. But how are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing really good today, Sam. I'm excited to be here. I really like the subject that
0: we're going to be going over, uh, and in particular, the practical focus that we're going to have, uh, I think is going to be a really useful tool for people that are uh, looking at friends and loved ones who have bought into certain ideologies. We're not even talking about full-blown woke people, but... People that are kind of being tempted in
1: those directions, and how do you reach out to them? But yeah, how are you doing, Sam? Yeah, no, Kyle, I'm excited uh, to get into this because we're really going to be going over that political question you know, um, the question of should Christians really be involved in politics? And I think that really is a, a big question for today. And of course, how to get not just Christians, but specifically their faith to be involved in politics. And I think that's a, a major thing. And I'm, I'm excited for that because that's been a, a big part of my life. Um, you know, and speaking of big parts of your life, you know, another thing I'm excited for is we are really into pumpkin spice season. And I, I just have to throw another shout out to that. Had some pumpkin spice Oreos uh, today and I don't know if you've tried the pumpkin spice Oreos, but they, they're they worth it. They're worth it. I—I I, are, are you a pumpkin spice fan? Yay or nay?
0: I like pumpkin pie. I like pumpkin bread. I don't get the whole pumpkin spice culture. I,
1: I mean, I have not broke my Uggs out yet, but it's getting there. We're getting there. No, that's a mental image people don't need to see. Uh, so anyway, transitioning from, segwaying from, I don't know if that's really quite what you say, but moving on, there's another good adjective from pumpkin spice. Let's get into politics because nothing quite goes as well with pumpkin spice as voting because you vote in the fall sometimes. So anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, oh, this is smooth. Smooth. That's right. Do do you know people who seem to have a wall that's built up between their faith and uh, aspects of life, specifically making their religion private when it comes to that realm of politics? Uh, do, Do you know anybody like that, Kyle?
0: Yeah, I've definitely seen. Well, I mean, just the other day, saw people, multiple takes on things regarding that. Uh, of saying things from, oh, church, you know, politics don't belong in church, or Christians shouldn't talk about politics, uh, or you know, the, even the Bible doesn't. All these kind of things, and then taking it to to other aspects, taking it outside of just direct voting, uh, but uh, Christianity in
1: the public square. Oh, that person shouldn't have said this thing. Um, yeah, I, I mean, are street preachers okay? You know, that's that's a good question, a question people have today. It, yeah, and it, it raises a good question of
0: not you. Like, I, I feel comfortable about my position on these kind of things, mm-hmm. and I hope people listening, you know, if you don't feel comfortable about these positions, I hope you learn something from this, and I hope you can see why we need to engage. Our faith needs to be engaged in these, these aspects of life, but... Look at the people that are, are spouting stuff like this and go, okay, how do I talk to you about this? Right. And get you right. to see that the Bible speaks to more than just, more than simply just repent and believe. If that's all right. the Bible was, then it all it needed to be is a little uh, pamphlet. There's yeah. more there for a reason.
1: Yeah. And, and, and you know, the the gospel in the Bible itself should do more than just preparing you to die. It should actually be preparing you and equipping you to live. And I think that's something that is incredibly mm-hmm. important. And really specifically with these three things that we're going to be looking at, because we're trying to be practical here. So we're going to try to stay a little bit out of the ideologies. We'll probably get into those weeds a little bit, but we're, we're going to try to not go too deep into them. Um, we're going to be looking at the, the question of voting, social justice, and uh, the third one is is just really the public square. Should your faith be involved in, in voting? Where does social justice in, in your faith fit? And uh, then the public square and how to talk to friends, or maybe we're going to be talking directly to you because maybe you've fallen into one of these three things uh, that we're going to be talking about, and but how to talk to your friends to get them to engage their faith in voting, and really avoid social justice to not go down that route. And then the third thing, of course, there is the public square. How do you get people involved directly in the public square with their faith, engaging in that? And so these are incredibly important things we are looking at, and I'm hoping that they're going to be practical and that our listeners can be able to take this home, um, yeah. what they have. I, I think you're exactly right on that. So- should we jump into that first topic?
0: Yeah, let's hit the first, let's hit the ground running and let's talk about the the big one. Specifically right now, uh, it's on people's minds because the election cycle has started. People are starting to try and figure out a good candidate. People are starting to pay more attention to politics. It's that uh, you know, that that four year cycle has started up. And so how do we choose a good candidate? Do we do it with our Bibles open? Do we do it with our Bibles closed?
1: Yeah. You, you know, one of the the big phrases um, that I hear, and th- this is an interesting one to think about is people say, you know, you should vote your conscience. And I have to be honest mm. with you. If your conscience is seared or if your conscience is warped, you shouldn't vote your conscience. Um, you should only vote your conscience, of course, if it is in alignment with God's Word, with your Bible open. Uh, that's, that, that's my position on that, and I think that's a, an important one to go to look at. But one of the things that I hear quite a bit, Kyle, is separation of church and state is the law of the land, and Jesus was not involved in politics and politics has no place in the church. In fact, I've had many of these things shouted at me uh, in my life. But um, have you heard any of these arguments? Oh yeah, I've definitely heard arguments like that.
0: Uh, you know, a lot of appeals to sort of a pragmatism, uh, but almost like a, a shamed pragmatism. You know, things like we'll never be able to convince others to vote for laws and leaders if we're basing them specifically on the Bible. So. Let's appeal to common sense things, common truth, things that everyone can see. Uh, or even it could be like, oh, I know this pol- this politician supports ideologies, policies that I don't agree with, but look at the good they do over here. Therefore, right. I can vote for them because of that. It, it, it's disjointed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to point that out right now. It's just kind of disjointed. Um, but that's kind of what happens when someone doesn't have a base that's what happens when you put up that wall of separation we're going to have to talk about how to get around that wall and we're going to yeah. have to talk about the the problem a little bit more but let's put a couple uh let's put a couple verses to this yeah because god's yeah. words the, the advice that he gives us in his word is superior than anything we can say to you right now so Absolutely. if we're going to have a good basis that god is not afraid for people to use their faith to inform their politics, then let's look at what he said. I'm going to read uh, 1 Peter two thirteen through 17 which says, "...therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good." For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Uh, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God, honor all people, love the
1: brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Yeah, no, we, we see right there that we are to, uh, to, we have a part in politics, and one of them is that God has politics there, um, we are to be submitted to it. you know, one of the things I think that we often forget about in Christianity that goes right alongside of this one in Romans 13 is that God actually is the creator of government. And this is important because if God created something, we can assume that he has a function and a purpose for government. And that's what yep. this is really getting uh, getting at when it goes and it says essentially the government's there to praise the good and to punish the evil. But Kyle, does every religion have the same standard of good and the same standard of evil?
0: No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And if if you're not injecting God's truth into how the government is run. You're going to wind up with a bad government, a wicked government. And then you're going to see what happens when you get a government that is not following its creator. And I mean creator in the sense of the one who established government itself. Uh, You're going to get problems. So if we're Mm going to be good citizens, if we're to honor the king, to honor the governors. We got to do that by promoting just laws, laws that are based on the one who established the government. Right. And beyond that, let me read a Jeremiah 29, seven, which says, and seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for In its peace, you will have peace. Now, the context of that is obviously talking about Israel specifically. He's commanding them to do something while they're in exile. But Sam, is there not a principle there that God is getting across of when you are in a place, you are to do what? Are you to separate yourselves from it and start your own insulated society? Or are you to engage in the society that
1: you're in part of that is politically involved right yeah you you are to be engaged in that and of course part of seeking peace is being engaged and i think that this is mm-hmm. driven home even more so um with that next passage that we have down in first timothy chapter Two verses one through three. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayer, and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, specifically for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead quiet and peaceful lives in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, their your Savior. Now, this is an interesting passage because I I think it plays right with that Jeremiah passage, but I've also seen this passage used specifically to say, look, this is all we're to do is to pray for our government. That's all. That's all we're supposed to do is sit back on the sideline and to pray. But when you pair it with that Jeremiah passage, which obviously this is an expansion of that same principle, right? Mm -hmm. They may live quiet and peaceful lives that you might live in peace. It's, It's going and saying that we're to seek that peace. Well, can true peace ever exist where sin is the law of the land. No, it can't. So if you want
0: peace in your own life, you're going to need to have a just government. Right. We see that in Timothy. Jeremiah, if you want peace in the land for others, you're going to have to have a good government. Peter, we are to honor the government. We are to honor Uh, the king. We are to honor the governors. We are to honor the emperor. We are to honor uh, the political entity we find ourselves a part of. How can you honor it if you don't seek its good? And what is good? God. Only God is good. Only his laws are good. So if we want to honor the governing authorities, we should desire to see them run and operated under the principles of that are good, the only principles that are good. Right. So to separate our desire for good politics from the foundation for good government, the foundation for perfect morality, the foundation and definer of what good is, is a fool's errand in the long run. you're never going to accomplish the goal that you you seek. Right. So, and I mean, one, one last thing on that, and then we should probably talk about some of the practical stuff. Nature abhors a vacuum. Yes. If you try and separate, both personally, try and separate your faith from politics, or as a larger group, Christians try and separate their faith from politics, something is going to take it over that influence something's going to take over in your own life and something's going to take over in society and Mm -hmm. what we see is evil ideologies sitting on on the sidelines ready to come in whether that's marxism whether that's a secular classical liberal approach to things whether that's uh even islamic uh ideas or Mm -hmm. mormon theology something is going to want to get in there and something is not going to be afraid to inject its ideas into politics. So if you stay neutral, you are actively letting someone else inject their religion into it.
1: Right. Right. And and, and I think it, what would help us is if we understand what is politics, because so many mm. people, they they think, oh boy, there's this big, scary word. Maybe it's not a big word, but it's, it, it's a scary word, politics. And so I should stay away from it. But uh, Kyle, h- how would you define politics?
0: So let's start off with a little quote. Uh, politics are the affairs of the people. Uh, that's from Phil Haney, who you can see in the film, Enemies Within the Church. Mm-hmm. Go watch the film if you haven't seen it. Uh, And that really comes down to politics in a nutshell. It's the affairs of the people, the American people. Uh, We are in a country, we are a republic where we do get the opportunity to engage politically.
1: Right. And and, you know, whenever I think of this definition that Phil put forth, the affairs of the people, I always just stop and think to myself, if God has called us to love our neighbors, how in the world could we rightly love them and not be involved in their affairs? I mean, it, it, could you imagine i I'm, i think about you know we we both have kids kyle and if i if if we were to go and to say i love my children but i'm not going to be involved in their lives at all what would be the 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 response people would look at us like we're absolutely crazy because they'd be going and saying you can't love your child and not be involved in their life i mean that'd be just absolutely completely Ridiculous if we were to go and to look at it in that way, to go and to say, I'm just going to be going and loving my child, but I'm not going to be involved at all in their life. I, I, can you imagine that? Um, it, people would just look at you like you're crazy. And so if you're going to love somebody, you have to be involved in their affairs. You have to be involved in their life. And, and that's that's mm-hmm. self-evident. Um, but, but I also like this... Dictionary definition that we have of this too, because it really goes and shows how we need to to be involved in politics as well with our faith. Um, where it goes and it says it's the art or science uh, concerned with guiding and influencing governmental policy. The comp- uh, excuse me, the competition between competing interest groups or individuals for power and leadership as in government. Uh, the political opinions or sympathies of a person. The total complex. Uh, of relations between people living in a society, when we mm-hmm. when we look at all of this as to just a simple definition, why wouldn't we want our faith involved if we truly believe that Christianity is real? Why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want yeah. Christian values in the highest places in the laws of the land in these areas?
0: Yeah. Uh, to put it another way, uh, it's been said that nothing human is alien to the religious. In the same way, nothing human is alien to politics. Right. If you exist in a group setting, you are not isolated, you're not by yourself. Look at the definition of politics. You are now politically engaged with a community.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's going to be a dynamic that exists between everyone. That is politics. When it comes to our government, we vote. And because we vote, we are all interconnected in a political web. If you do not have a political opinion, you're lying to yourself. Right. Because the fact that you're relating to other people in that way means you do. Mm -hmm. And if you're not basing that on God's word, well, again, it's based on Something, and if you don't know yeah. what it's based on, you're going to be susceptible to being influenced negatively. Right. So-, so, Sam, how do we talk? You know, you you have a friend who's of this this mindset, this politically disconnected from the from God's Word mindset. How do you talk to this person about that? Because that can be a really difficult conversation that usually gets shut down immediately. You know, the door slams immediately. Whoa, 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 whoa. We don't mix faith and politics, right? And the
1: conversation is done, right? So uh, the the first thing that comes to my mind when it comes to this, now of course this is kind of in the context of talking to this isn't kind of this is in the context of talking to a, a Christian friend, and so uh, with that there are two that go two ideas that really go uh, hand in hand. One is the concept of asking your friend about rendering unto Caesar what Jesus says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. Because a lot of times the people who are disconnected politically from their faith, they're going to go and they're not going to like taxes because nobody likes taxes, but they're going to go and say, well, look, Jesus says to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, so we really shouldn't be complaining about taxes that much. And ask them, but you know, that's true that we are to pay taxes, but if you considered that we're in a republic in the United States— and have you considered what all belongs to Caesar in a republic? Now, this is where the second one comes in, and this is being uh, committed to understanding the process, not just of discipleship, although that's part of it, but the process of politics, uh, because if you don't understand the process, well, it's not going to work out very good. And so when, when somebody goes and they say, Say that, and they might go, Well, what do you mean? That's probably what they're going to say. What do you mean by rendering unto Caesar that which is Caesar's in a republic? Say, Well, you understand that in a republic, in order for a republic to function, it needs the voice of its citizens. Mm -hmm. So, therefore, your vote does matter, and you're disobeying Jesus if you're not rendering your voice and your vote. Those are the bare minimum to obey that command from Jesus within a republic. Um, so, mm-hmm. so that's one of the things I like to, like to go into point out, Jesus commanded this. So if you're going to say you need to give taxes, that's one thing that's sure you, you need to pay taxes. Taxes is probably a subject for another day to get into all that. But, um, it also means that in order to render under Caesar, what that which is Caesar's, you need to render your voice and your vote. Um, yep. what's another another way that you might confront a friend about this. And by confront, I mean just convincing a friend of this.
0: Yeah. Well, you're going to, another thing to do is to ask them how will they love their neighbor if they're not involved in their affairs? And by affairs, we don't mean you're all up in their business right. or being nosy. No, no, no. We mean, again, politics is the total complex of relations between people living in a society it's the affairs of the people if you're not actively engaged in that how do you love your neighbor how do you love your neighbor when they're going to there are laws being passed that specifically abuses them are you going to stand up to that how are you going to love your neighbor when uh, you're not expressing your voice, your vote, when you're not basing that on God's word, the creator of that person, the one that made that person in his image and tells you to love them. Right. You can't. You can't if you're not expressing your voice and basing that voice on God's word if you really love them, you want to see justice in society. If you want to see justice in society, you need just laws. If you want just laws, you
1: can't have them outside of God. That's no a, one is good, but God alone. That's exactly right. And you know, speaking of just societies, that brings up uh, the next topic, and that is social justice. Because social justice is something that has really taken our nation by storm, and specifically within uh, the Christian and w- inside the the church, there is this big movement towards social justice. Now, if you want to find out more why social justice is is wrong in the big general sense, we'd really encourage you to watch Enemies Within the Church uh, documentary. Mm-hmm. You can find that enemies within the church dot com. Once again, that's enemies within the and we'd suggest that you you know either buy the DVD or you can stream it right there. But this that goes into uh, a decent amount of depth, or at least a, an introductory there to social justice. We've done a lot of stuff on that. But but what are we talking about today when it comes to social justice, Kyle? What What is the trap people fall into?
0: Well, and we're, so we're narrowing it down a little bit, and we'll give kind of a, a couple examples of ex- what we're talking about. Because again, we're not talking about like an openly, radically progressive person. We're talking about your Christian right. friend, your Christian family member. Who's been more subtly influenced by these things, but it could come out in statements like, but Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Shouldn't we listen to other people and what they've experienced? If we've wronged people, shouldn't we want to make it right? Right. How do you, how do you you connect with that person that has this good impulse, this good impulse of, uh, hey, 2020 is going on. We got uh, th- this virus that's going around. We've got, uh, you know, th- this-, this person that may have been killed just because of how they looked. and And that might be like a bigger issue. Like, I want to love these people. So I should put a mask on and then take it off to go march in a protest. Like, isn't that a...
1: I want to love these people. Is that how I love them? Yeah, you, you know, in, in in this seems it, it sounds kind of silly because we're three years removed from that, but that literally happened, and it happened to a vast majority. I guarantee you, uh, you have friends and people you know who did exactly what Kyle just said. And uh not just And not
0: maliciously either. No, like
1: they were trying to figure it out. They didn't have a foundation because they'd separated their faith from these questions. Right. Well, I okay. So a perfect example of this, there is a church I know, Cedar Falls, Iowa, um, that they went and were closed down for the virus. They said, look, we're going to love our neighbor by we're going to closing our church down. And while they had the church closed, literally on a Saturday night, they had a church event where they went and they served pizza to a Black Lives Matter protest in the town, handing them pizza on the street. And this isn't a church that you would go and say, oh, whoa, this is one of those crazy, crazy woke churches um, now, obviously, they have quite a few woke tendencies that are going on here, but they weren't historically woke or anything like that. But they were definitely engaging softly, at the very least, into social justice. And a lot of people were doing this. And I, I mean, I got into discussions about mm-hmm. this. What in the world were you thinking? Um, but let's see what does scripture have to say about all of this uh, with social mm-hmm. justice, because this is important. And in Luke 19, 15, it says, You shall do no unjust judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of mighty. Uh, in righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. James 2, 9. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. 1 Samuel uh, sixteen seven. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him for the Lord does not see as man sees for the Lord looks on the uh, not on the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. Um, and then Ezekiel 18:20 The soul who sins shall die the son who uh, excuse me the son shall not bear the guilt of the father nor the father bear the guilt of the son the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. All of these verses, they're pointing to one major truth, and that is we're not to be partial. We're not Mm -hmm. to be partial. And this is so important when it comes to social justice and the social justice that we're looking at. Literally, that example of the church that I gave, they were being partial because they were going and saying, look, we have to love our neighbor by telling our neighbor to stay home, but then literally we have to also love our neighbor by going and handing them pizza, to showing, hey, we we are supporting your cause while we're going outside, literally breaking that social distancing rules while you're going and handing them pizza. Th- there was an impartiality that was going on yeah. to this because they were really just getting sucked into a culture or a social narrative, and so yeah. One of the biggest things I always tell people when it comes to social justice is just stop and think for a moment. <laughs> think about it for just a moment. But but what say you, Kyle? What say you?
0: Well, it it reveals something that's going on. If you don't have a standard for these things, if you haven't connected God's word to how you think about these things, these topics of um, loving neighbor, of right. justice of social justice, of so on and so forth, your your scale is going to be out of balance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, something about scales, especially talking like historically, a scale, you don't just have a, a stand and you put the the balancing point on it, the scale, and then you have your two platforms and it's now perfectly balanced. No, you have to tune the scale right it's going to naturally drift to one side or the other so you have to like balancing a tire you have to add weight to either side until it is perfectly balanced if you don't have god's word your scale is going to drift it's going to start out out of balance so then you're going to be playing this game of trying to answer this question of okay okay What do we do right now? How do we love our neighbor? Well, you're already going to be skewed in a direction, which is going to cause you to get even worse once you start trying to measure justice. If you do not have God's word as the backer, you're going to be partial no matter what. There's no way that you're going to be impartial. You're going to do exactly what God said, told Samuel not to do. you're going to look on the outside, and you're going to judge people not based on their heart, not based on what God's opinion is. You're going to base it on your opinion. But Sam, you know the, the whole point of this isn't to explain social justice or to explain exactly why it's wrong, although I think we can see that when applying justice, God's opinion is it's not partial. Right. There's a standard, and the standard's found in God's word alone. You don't look at at something and immediately jump to a conclusion. You look at the circumstance and go, "What, what happened, and what's God's opinion?" But how do we reach out to those who have, well, not have bought
1: into it, but are asking questions? What is the right response here? Right. So, I how, how do you help that friend? Right. So, the the first thing I would say is that you always encourage them to root their ethics in the Bible. So, the the simplest way that I can go and explain this is something that happened to me basically every day growing up. And that was we'd be sitting around the dinner table and we'd be talking. uh, I'd be talking to my parents and they'd be asking about how our day uh, was and things like that. And of course, there'd be ethical questions that would come up just in your normal day, you know, as a kid growing up. And when anything that I had a question to, my parents would always answer with this question in return every single time. They would say, What does the Bible say about that issue? What does the Bible say about that issue? And, and so the most practical way that I can encourage you to go and to do anything, because this is the, I mean, this is the blanket answer for everything, is to go and to ask your friend, well, what does the Bible say about that issue? And it's possible that your friend will go and say, I don't know. And that's when you go and you say, well, let's study the Bible out together on it. Mm -hmm. Now you have a door to go and to disciple this person and to further their faith in that. And, you know, Kyle, do you have any helpful tools that somebody might need if they're leading a Bible study for the first time? Or maybe somebody goes and gives the wrong answer for what the Bible says about something (laughs) uh, because they maybe are taking some stuff out of context. Any, Any helpful tools?
0: Well, I mean, if you want to get truth from the Bible, you have to have good hermeneutics. You have to have a good standard by which you read. How do you read truth out of the Bible? Now, we've done a whole episode on that, uh, which will be linked in the description and also should be, if you're watching on YouTube, should have just popped up on the corner of the screen. Um, and we're also working on a, uh, a a booklet for that as well, teaser for a little project we have going. But it can also be a fun way of just going through hermeneutics together learning how to read the bible for god's truth and then taking that and starting to explore subjects hey they have questions great questions are awesome let's use this let's use this these principles of how to read god's word and see what he said see what we can learn it, The right way to think about all of these issues is going to be weaker brother. Mm -hmm. And when you have the weaker brother, you don't just slam down condemnation on them. You treat them as a weaker brother. You're wanting to lift them up. So this is a process of discipleship. It's a commitment. Right. And this is one of the things that you got to understand. This is going to help take you from stressed out to equipped is to go from I've got to convince this person to, I'm committed to this person. Mm -hmm. Because one thing I will tell you, the social justice side of things is
1: really, really good at that. Yes. Yeah. Now, yeah, and I think that that's a very important point that you're bringing up, because our goal is to make disciples. uh, And with that, in making disciples... It's important that we're not just convincing somebody of an argument, but we're actually going and equipping them with what they need through the Word of God. And ultimately, Satan is better often at counterfeiting God's design than we are at obeying God's design. And so that's where a lot of times he ends up getting a lot of traction, and we don't make very good traction. Uh, Mm. But there's one more area that we want to talk about today. So it's not just voting, it's not just social justice, it's also the public square. And this is probably one of the most interesting ones that I hear, because this would be a lot of times somebody who's right on an issue personally, but they're wrong in wanting to take it out to the public square. Now, this can happen to various degrees. I've had uh, discussions of of various degrees with people um, about this subject. You know, might be more antagonistic. Somebody who says, "I'm personally pro-life, but I'm publicly pro-choice," because it's not my decision what a uh, what somebody else would do with their body is often how they'd go and say that. Um, now, I've had a lot of discussions about pro-life, so I'm going to use a lot of examples uh, on that. So, another one um, might be, uh, you know, I I hate abortion, but I mean, I'm a guy, so. I don't have a say in what a woman does with her body. Uh, that's another one. Um, a Another way that somebody might go and explain this is if we allow Christianity into uh, this area, like a school, we might say, then we'd have to let other religions in too. Um, or we don't want to pressure people into faith. It needs to be between them and God. These are ways that people might go and push back against uh, getting faith out into the public square. Um, mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of faults in what people are saying, and with the arguments that I that I was just kind of using. But Kyle, let's first go to the Word of God. What does God's Word mm-hmm. say about getting our faith into the public square?
0: Well, this seems like a an interesting one to start with. But let's start with the Great Commission. Yeah. Uh, what does he say? He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. Wait, so the Great Commission is relevant to Christianity in the public square? Well, yeah. How do you get people... To a knowledge of the Great Commission, to a knowledge of God, and then disciple them, well, you have to go. You have to go. It's active. It requires you going somewhere, not staying put. Uh, Let's continue on. Romans 10, 14 through 15. Now then, uh, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him? Of whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? It's basically a restating of the Great Commission. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, when confronted with, hey, be quiet about the gospel, the apostles. Acts uh, 5, 28 through 29 responded. uh, So they were charged, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and uh, intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. We cannot be silent. Matthew 5, 15 through 17. Uh, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see the good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to destroy the law and the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Yeah, I, I've made this point in several other places. But it's surprising how many kids' songs have phenomenal yes. theology. Yes. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine.
1: Sam, are you going to hide under a bushel? Oh, no. Now, I, I, I think that you're absolutely right, and I can't reiterate or agree enough with how many little kids' songs have great theology. I mean, You know, the reality of it is, I, is what I've, I've come to the conclusion of in my life is that if you're somebody who grew up in church, you have the options of either you're going to believe the songs that you sing. And if you do that, you're going to walk with the Lord, or you're going to not believe the songs that you sing as a kid. And if you, uh, go that way, then you're going to walk away from God, like, and walk away from the church. Like, that's just the reality of how it works. You, you can't believe those little kids' songs. And, um, and walk away from, from the church at the same time. But uh, that's not what we're we're, we're getting at here. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're, we're talking about um, putting your faith out there into the public square. And of course, all these passages that you've read, they reiterate and they say the same thing. We're going to go and put our faith in the public square. You're supposed to do that. Now, some of the, I, I don't even know if I want to say more intimidating ways, although they probably are some intimidating ways, but more of the, well... Obvious ways that people would put their faith in the public square um, would be like street preaching and anti-abortion ministry, and uh, you know even Christianity in school. We're going to talk maybe a little bit about Joe Kennedy, but let me also just say something as simple as praying before a meal can be putting your faith in the public square. Now, don't just go and take this from it in the easy route of going and saying that's the only one of these things I'm going to do. But I do want to mention that like, we're talking about bigger ways to do this, perhaps, or more intimidating ways. But you can put your faith in the public square probably thousands of different ways, ways I haven't even thought of before.
0: Uh, Well, I can actually bring up a way. Uh, My family's car, uh, it died. So we've been in without a a car uh, as we're getting a new one. And our church is allowing us to borrow their van, you know, so it has our church name on the side of it and the front of it, the back of it. Uh, And I've had two interactions. One person that thanked me uh, for representing the gospel, uh, just for driving around in that van. And we Mm -hmm. got to have a great little conversation. Another guy asked me about the van. I told him, Hey, yeah, you know, our church is letting us borrow this because we, uh, our car broke down very suddenly. And he's like, wow, that's, I'm really impressed by that. I've been looking for a church to start going to because I just, I'm newer to the area. And I definitely very curious to check out your church. I guess that's pretty, that's extremely simple. But it can also be embarrassing. It can be, uh, oh, what are people going to think? I'm driving around in a church van. No, don't
1: be ashamed of it. Go for it. Yeah, no, that, that is an awesome way to get your faith into the public square. And so looking at one of those maybe more intimidating ways, um, although I will say driving a church van, especially because, I mean, you know, they only make church vans in one way, and that's the 15-passenger van. So uh, that's that 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 would be pretty intimidating, especially if you have to parallel park. Uh, but one of those ways is definitely through street breaching. And, you know, a lot of people are very negative towards street preaching, like extremely Mm -hmm. negative towards street preaching. Um, But, you know, I was thinking about this, Kyle. Do we have any examples of scripture of like either anti-street preaching or pro-street preaching?
0: I mean, you know, Paul made a a bit of a name for himself. He he often caused a bit of a ruckus because he was out you know, preaching
1: in the literal public square. I thought you were going to go with he threw, or he held clothes while people threw stones at a street preacher, but that was before he was saved. So we're not going to go with that Mm -hmm. example. Um,
0: He learned his lesson and he realized he needed to make up for the uh, street preacher that he struck down. So he decided to be the best street preacher he could.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. Um, And I mean, Peter, John the Baptist... Uh, the Apostle John, all of those are street preachers. Um, there's another guy you might have heard of him who's a street preacher. His name was Jesus. Um mm. no, I but I mean hey, the, their message was like
0: nice and cuddly and friendly, though, right?
1: Yeah, I mean they they came out and they said, You you know, it, it doesn't matter that you've sinned, just God loves everybody. Mm. Is either that or repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I can't remember which one it was. No, it, it was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, um, and I'm sure that I, I'm just sure that the guy who is you know eating locusts and wild honey and wearing a camel skin in John the Baptist for clothes, I'm I'm certain that he was like repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm sure that's how he was preaching it. Something nice, soft, and gentle. His tone was probably great. No, no, I mean, as a confrontational street preaching, there are ways that you probably shouldn't street preach uh, in in certain (laughs) contexts. I can say that. But Uh, yeah, I've seen
0: I've seen some people who shouldn't be out there. Let's just say that that's not their gifting, right? They don't understand. um, But it it comes down to them not understanding the message. Right.
1: N- now, it's not I, even
0: necessarily methodology.
1: I will say this because I think this is important. If you see somebody doing that, one of the best things you can do is start going up and talking to the crowd about what they think about that what that guy's doing. Because then you immediately have gospel opportunities where all of a sudden you become the street preacher. That guy's just drawing the crowd for you. I've done that uh, on a number of different occasions, actually.
0: Yeah. And, but don't don't counter-preach.
1: Right. right,
0: Because you will, and what I mean by that is don't get up on the other side of the street and start p- counter preaching to counteract what he's doing. Right. Because you will in the end cause a division. You will in the end, end create your own error. No, right. it's exactly what you just said there, Sam. Go talk to the people. If you see an example that is legitimately bad, go start talking to the people. It's funny how they'll be super open to talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh because they want to feel offended, so they're willing to talk to someone
1: about being offended. Right. <laughs> and and then you can start probing their, their their questions. I I mean, I I remember one time being at a college campus and uh, talking to a young kid who literally went on to go put a satan t-shirt on to try to make the street preacher who had drawn this crowd who was doing it the completely wrong way uh, to make him feel bad basically or to make him feel uncomfortable. And so I asked him, like, yeah, so what do you think about this guy? And he has no idea what what my views are, but he's assuming that I'm sympathizing with him. And, and uh, and so, you know, he starts telling me, like, oh, man, this is terrible and everything. I'm like, I'm like yeah. I'm like, well, he's, he starts showing me his shirt. You know, I'm like, oh, so you went and put that shirt on. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, and then I asked him, so why'd you do that? Is, is that what you believe? Or are you a Satan worshiper? And he's like, no, no, I'm not a Satan worshiper at all. But then all of a sudden we're able to talk about, his, uh, his views. We're able to talk about what this young guy believes and what he thinks. And pretty soon I'm able to go into to get all the way down to what's right, what's wrong, and how to define right and wrong. And ultimately everything that he goes and he says fails. And of course we move into what does the Bible say and define as right and wrong. But you know, it's not just street preaching. It's also, and this is one where maybe you'd be street preaching with us, but it's anti-abortion ministry. And uh, there's a few different places where you could do anti-abortion ministry. Of course, one is outside of your local Planned Parenthood or abortion clinic. You could go out there and you could do some anti-abortion ministry. And it's not all just going out and street preaching while you're out there. You might end up street preaching, but one effective way is to go and to pray outside of an abortion uh, mill uh, or a Planned Parenthood, and another thing that I like to do while I'm out there is to just read Scripture, read Scripture out loud, um, to pray and to read Scripture outside of an abortion. Uh, cl- um, I, I don't want to call it a clinic, but an abortion mill. Um, w- what are some other ideas? Uh, obviously, there is that idea of street preaching us uh, in uh, praying and reading scripture, do you have any other ideas that you might want to go out and do outside of an abortion clinic? Not a clinic, sorry, abortion mill. Uh,
0: Well, it, I mean, this is almost a, a incredibly similar thing to what we talked about with the street preaching, where you see... And you can do this even if you see good street preaching. Go talk to the mm-hmm. people in the crowd. It's a very similar thing. You see people coming... To the clinic. And in fact, (laughs) because they like, and I just said clinic too, but they like to put them in rather public places. You also have people coming on the streets as well. Right. Engage with people. There's someone up there that's talking. Go as a group. That's one smart thing. Yep. But engage with the people. Obviously, the the women that are coming to the clinic directly. Yeah. You're going to want to try and reach out to them because there's a life there that's in danger but people walking on the street and especially you're going to, you're going to see some reactions, go talk to them. Hey, what do you think about what they're doing over there? Mm -hmm. You have a phenomenal open door. You have a phenomenal ability to minister. You have a phenomenal ability to get around their defenses. But another thing you can do. And I think this is going to be something that people that are in this this mindset of oh you know I can't do this kind of thing and they try and justify it by separating their faith from practice well that's not the effective way to do it go out there and just be there yes. with the people that are doing the work and just pray mhm just be there the support that more bodies can bring is massive it doesn't cost you anything and hopefully you'll see what the work that's actually going on. But that might even be getting into the practical side of things. Um, another example, because it's somewhat relevant, is, is it wrong to pray on the 50-yard line of a football field uh,
1: after a football game at a public school? Well, the Supreme Court says that it's not wrong. Uh, but w- <laughs> no matter what their answer would be, I would say that it's not wrong. It's in fact, right to go on to do that. And of course, uh, you're referring to, um, coach Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, who And Sam, who I, I have a question for you because mm-hmm. that's, if, if no one
0: knows what the story is, uh, he was a coach in Bremerton, Washington, uh, at a high school assistant coach and he got fired for praying. Now, fun fact: He had been doing that for seven years. We'll ignore that part. Uh, but the the idea was, oh, well, you know, you can't have expression of religion from a state employee, from a government employee. Um, and so a lot of people go, oh yeah, you know, I I support him as a Christian, but you know, is it? I don't think it's right because that's the government promoting religion, and we don't want them to promote bad religions, or, or that's not right. Really, the government's space. Um, Sam, by the logic they used to fire him, I have a question. Yeah. If a teacher were to do something like invite Satanists to, to the school,
1: um, should they fire that teacher as well? Well, if it's by that logic, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: so anyone that's of the opinion, this is something that you... A lot of times you'll dig down to it and you find a a degree of hypocrisy. And that can be something you talk with your friends about. Hey, but when it was found out he was praying and it started to become a little bit of a people were upset about it. A teacher invited the local Satanist temple to come down and protest and encourage students to join in the protest with the Satanists. And they were not punished.
1: Yeah. Which is actually a violation of even what they're saying that you shouldn't do. Whereas then Coach Kennedy literally just went and prayed at the fifty-yard line, um, didn't tell people they can't come, but didn't invite people to come either, and certainly didn't tell students that they should be involved in it. Although welcomed them if they wanted to be involved in it. Uh, And so I mean, you you look at that; it's it's completely hypocritical. Um, you, You know, Kyle, I too once prayed on the 50 yard line, but it was because I was in seventh grade and I weighed 80 pounds. And so I was praying that I wouldn't get hit, but, uh, that was, you know, for a different reason. Um, sorry, I, I just had to work that joke in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> and we, but we, we do look at this idea of, cause it might not just be in the school that you're looking at. It might be, um, within, a prayer before a city council meeting—is uh, that a resolution that you're going to a- ask your city council to do, or maybe your city council has and is trying to get rid of that, um, or mm-hmm. maybe somebody's trying to bring that into your city council? And the question is: is should you support that or not as a Christian? Well, it is right to be involved um, in the public square to get your faith involved in the public square. I think we've we've dealt with that already. But now yeah. the question is: is how do you deal with somebody who's struggling? to see that. How do you get them involved in that? What are some practical ways that we can get them involved in the public square, get their faith involved there?
0: Well, I'd say a really good place to start with this is with you know with your friend, beyond the idea that this is a discipling thing. You're going to need to take talk with them and go through God's Word with them. Invite them to join you. Yes. Whether you're going out and you're preaching in public, And I think people get the idea of of public preaching and they, they go to street preacher and they have a very like specific idea of what that is. Mm -hmm. Street corner, uh, some sort of amplification. No, there's a lot of other ways to get out in public and do evangelism, do preaching on the streets, but invite them to join you. Mm -hmm. And what are you doing when you're doing that? You're giving them an example to look to and you're showing them, Hey, the negative things you're putting on this is is you it's not god's word it's you putting these negative things on here you can see it in action you can see the fruit that it brings and you can see that you can do it
1: right you, you know Kyle the, the the example that i gave earlier of the guy going in and the street preacher that was there it was at university of northern iowa campus um how i got there was, there was a a student who I'd got to know just a little bit. And he said he was struggling with sharing the gospel. And I said, well, let's just plan an afternoon and go share the gospel with students around campus. And he goes, really? I said, yeah, I, I'll, I'll come and I'll do it. And you could just follow me around, you know, if you, if you want to go and do that. And so we had it planned in about an hour before we're supposed to go and meet and go do this. I get this call he goes, you'll never believe it. There's this street preacher that's out here and he's going to do this. And I go, I go and I say, really? I said, what are you doing? He's like, well, I am I'm, I'm, was watching it. And I, and I go and I say, well, I can leave where I'm at right now. Can I come and join you? He goes, ah, uh, sure. I thought we were going to go and share gospel. I said, don't worry about that. And so, uh, I, I took him there and that's where, um, I started going and working the crowd of going and speaking to the crowd and talking with them. And he was right there getting to see that. And that Really, really gave him boldness in his faith because about a week later he's texting me and saying, I'm sharing the gospel with this person. I'm sharing the gospel with that person. And it's, you know, was an incredible thing to go and see. But there's all kinds of examples that I could give you of that of just taking somebody with you while you go and do that. So if you already do have your your faith out in the public square, the people who are struggling with doing it, just invite them to come.
0: Just Mm -hmm. invite them to
1: come. To see yeah. how you're doing it now. Yeah,
0: it's an amazing piece of advice on that. And it helps overcome the big, probably the biggest thing here, which is people are more afraid of getting the public square than they have a legitimate concern about getting faith in the public square. But right. if that's their their position, Sam, what's a good way to get them over that?
1: Yeah, so, so and this was probably the way that it really got me to go out and to really get out in the public square. I mean, I had somewhat got on the public square through, you know, podcasting, writing, that kind of stuff, but to actually go and to hit the streets and to speak out in the streets was, uh, there was a, a pastor, Matt Trella. We've, we've been, uh, interviewed him before on the podcast. Um, he came out and he was speaking and, you know, I felt like he was speaking directly at me, but, I don't think I was his target. He's just preaching the word of God. He goes and he says, you know, how are you loving your preborn neighbor? And my immediate reaction was, I can't believe that you're asking me this question, Pastor Mahat, you know, uh, because I, I'm going, you know, I contact my legislators. I, I I preach. I go and I do podcasts. I write. I do these things. But I was just feeling the conviction that I needed to get out and to stand outside there and actually Stand up for the life of the preborn. Yeah. And I'm yeah, I, I'm simply coming out here and saying, asking that question directly. Maybe it's about the preborn, your preborn neighbor, but maybe it's about your coworker. Yeah, you know, somebody's like, I don't know about praying, you know, uh before my meal at work, and go and say, Well, how are you loving your coworker? Yeah. Questions yeah. like that. I mean, Let God's word predict the them.
0: Yeah. The heart of it is just show, hey. There are so many ways that you can represent your faith, and we're not, we're making this very like evangelistic, mm-hmm. but it's more than just evangelistic. It's about breaking out of that idea that religion is a private thing, right? And it's only the weird person at work who prays before their meal, or talks about the what they've been reading in the Bible, or something like that. It's breaking you out of that and getting you to see, hey your faith needs to be displayed and obviously displayed. How Mm -hmm. will they hear without someone to preach? Right. And obviously you're going to need to use your words and clearly communicate the gospel, but it's going to start somewhere before that. It's going to start with you praying at every meal Mm -hmm. until God brings the situation to you where that person that just had a really messy breakup and they know that everyone's giving them junky advice that's just telling them what they want to hear, they're going to come to you and they're going to go, hey, you're a grounded person. I need help. Yes. Yeah. Boom. You have a massive open door. You might even preach the gospel before and they didn't listen to you, but now you have a great opportunity. Mm -hmm. These little things are powerful. And if you're not doing that,
1: they're going to walk past you as they go to someone else who is. That is exactly right, Kyle. And I mean, we do need to have our faith in the public square. We do need to be going and standing, of course, against social justice. And we do need to be going and also getting our faith involved in politics uh, in the public square, in even in voting and looking at that. So today we've really gone over that political question. And I hope that this has been helpful to you. If so, let us know at... Uh, What's our email, Kyle? Contact Wikipedia at gmail.com. See, I need to email us more often so that I can remember our email, but it's Wikipedia <laughs> at gmail.com. Let us know what you think, and let us know how you're getting involved in getting your faith involved in the public square, and not privatizing it, but making it public. Thank you for listening today, and remember, keep standing for the truth. And
0: don't go woke.